and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bulkelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 521. That's right. We are we are continuing a series we started <laughs> unknowingly started because we didn't know this was coming back in 2018. Uh <laughs> which I thought w- we actually got a lot of positive feedback about that episode if you remember. I think that does ring a bell. Uh, I am referring to episode 328, uh, which was titled Green Lantern, What Might Have Been. Uh, and in that episode, we talked about potential futures for Green Lantern that we never saw. Um, two specific things. The original Green Lantern movie script, the 2008 draft. And then we talked about Cullen Bunn's plans following uh, that that were because his uh, his series Lost Army where the Green Lantern Corps was lost in the universe that came before that was supposed to be like 12 issue maxi he got his legs cut out from underneath him by DC only ended up getting six issues and what was the the Edge of Oblivion or whatever yes it was Edge of Oblivion Edge of Oblivion uh, followed up his Lost Army six issue series and touched on nothing that Colin Bunn had done so uh, through his, like, I think Tumblr at the time, ask me anything or whatever, we I, I screenshot some answers that he gave there and we talked about that. Well, fast forward a few years and freaking DC Comics does one of their stupidest stunts, personally speaking, that I believe they've ever done. And that is they start the DC Round Robins. Uh, we've talked about these in the past. Basically, a bunch of potential stories that DC could publish They let out creative team names, uh, titles, and brief little pitch synopsis of each of these things and pitted them together in a bracket style uh, thing to see which story would get published. Why was this stupid? Inherently not a stupid idea. Give some DC Comics properties the opportunity to see the light of day based on fan votes. If fans voted in, clearly it must be popular. Maybe it'll do well in sales. But they put in ringers every fucking time they did this. (laughs) The first one had like it it ended up winning Robins. Uh, Who would think a bat family wouldn't win against? Oh, I don't know. A um, Ma Hunkle uh, backup story. (laughs) Um, So, you know, whatever. Uh, But this most recent round a year or two ago had three. Not one like the first year they did it, but three lantern stories one with john stewart 
The Light at the End of Forever, one with Kid Flash, The Speed of Fear, and one with Alan Scott, The Birth of Conspiracy. None of those won. Instead, the other Ringer won, a Superboy book with Connor Kent. And that series, that one, is currently being published now. In the backups for Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow, thus far, those first three issues that are out as of now, all three of the stories, Green Lantern stories I just mentioned, the first couple of pages that were turned into DC for each of those have been printed. So we tonight are going to take a look at the first couple of pages of what might have been three different mini or ongoing series featuring different lanterns. With a varying degree of enthusiasm, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. I have I, I have preferences and stuff, but uh, there I honestly I'm I'm not I'm not critical of these. I am I am um well we'll talk about it. That's kinda of hard to be too critical. We only get like three or four pages. No, a hundred percent. They these these are these are not full not even full first issues, everybody. Think these I think these are barely as long as the backups in uh that we're currently getting in Green Lantern. Or maybe roughly the same length. And we're not going to get another issue or the next piece of the story and backups to come in uh, the, the the Superboy Man of Tomorrow series. Also, worth noting, somebody online told me, uh, for because I had, was talking about this when they first were published. Uh, so somebody actually went out to their comic book store to grab Superboy Man of Tomorrow. Didn't end up actually buying it because apparently the printed editions don't have these backups it's only the digitals i that's unverified i heard it from one person so i don't know i'll but, try to ch i'll try to check it out whenever i get to my comic shop which i'm way overdue i'll try to at least make sure i skim through whichever superboy they have on the on their on the rack to see if that's true but if it is then this is a really bad pattern that dc is seemingly getting into yeah just fully leaving out stuff from printed versus digital or vice versa. So that, that's a little crazy. But tonight, we're going to go in Superboy the Man of Tomorrow order, issues one, two, and three. The issue one had the Green Lantern light at the end of forever. Issue two had Kid Flash, Peter Fear. Issue three, Alan Scott, The Birth of Conspiracy. So without further ado and uh, additional setup, are we ready? God help us, but yes, we are. <laughs> All right. Green Lantern, The Light at the End of Forever. This is a story featuring Jon Stewart. Uh, the writer is Cy Spurrier. The artist is Marco Santucci, which we've heard before on Green Lantern stuff. Uh, Michael Atavan is the uh, Atavie, Atie is I the colorist. I think it's Atie. Atie is the colorist. Deron Bennett is our letterer, and Andrew Marino is our uh, editor. editor. Okay, so... We are on uh, an unknown planet. Uh, seems to be a very uh, hodgepodge type community of alien species, different uh, different races, different species, um, and this big ship full of armored beings comes down. They're basically coming down to collect payment. Um, they execute a couple of people. They come up to 
Oh man, and I'm gonna at the same the same race as Metaphil from the Green Lantern Corps. I forget what his actual race's name is, but they come up to this person and say and and and, and declare her you know undeclared vegetation. They're about to murder her uh, or take her captive, and we see an old man, an old black man, walk up uh, with his cane to face down these armored thugs essentially and tell them, you know, uh, you know, you're not really even peacekeepers. I see you. You're just bullies with badges. So they start beating the crap out of, out of him. And the first punch they land, we see a flash of green and some fists with green lantern rings. And someone says, John, uh, he gets his uh, ass pretty much handed to him and they throw him down to the ground. And as he's getting beaten, he, uh, we see this, this green, uh, narrative bubble saying, John, John, I know you, I don't know if you can hear me. I'm the architect of all things. Please, John, stop fighting, stop fighting. And, uh, at the last panel we get says is John bloodied and bruised laying on the ground saying the hell I will. This green lantern narrative is, uh, interlaced with images of the central power battery and other lanterns, uh, flying together in space. We see Hal Jordan and everything. Uh, and yeah, that's all we get. This is very, from my liking, this is way too Jeffrey Thorne-like. It it does strike a similar Thorne note, I think. Yeah, I think it's, and I think so pr- probably, even though I will be honest, I never, th- this this book never sounded interesting to me when this was probably one of my, this probably was my least favorite one of the. Uh, I'll find the solicit, maybe the original, or having the original solicit text. Yeah, but I knew that I knew the original solicit didn't didn't appeal to me. But I think my reaction to this might be a little different now if we hadn't if it doesn't doesn't feel and look visually so much like a Jeffrey Thorne story, either from uh, from his from his run or what the hell was it? The uh, the mini event that he wrote. Future State. That's it. I couldn't even remember it. That. Yeah. It, this this just feels way. I mean, there could be something interesting here about what's going on and why uh, who's who. Who, it's almost more interesting who the arch, who who the so-called architect of everything is, and interesting that John Stewart's got his mechanical leg too. He's missing mm-hmm. a leg that's replaced. Yeah, I I don't know, and and of course these these blue aliens kind of also remind me of the whole blue beetle thing. The Reach. They, yeah. Yes, and they also and the stuff that Kyle was dealing with in New Guardians. Um, the angels didn't they? they- were they called they calling it the archangels? What were they calling themselves? Uh, I don't I don't know. Something a, like that. Yeah, today's a today's a bad night for my instant recall on things. Yeah. But that's but visually, yes, it reminds me of those of those elements. So maybe that's part of the reason why this doesn't resonate that much with me. Uh on the surface, other than who the hell's talking to John and why is he here, it's, there isn't anything inherently in these pages that's unique, because we've all seen this setup before. This is almost like your magnificent seven setup with this place being shaken down by people, by thugs and things like that. And, and John Stewart is, John Stewart is standing up. And also, this is also very similar to the beginning of, uh, reminds me of love and thunder too, because they they think these, these are almost like they're gods coming down or they're protectors to help them. You're answered or called. Oh, like, God killers. Gods. Yes. That's the one yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that it's, uh, it's like they think they're coming down to answer to answer their prayers or their help. And it's like, no, we're looking for money. So pay up. Yeah. Of the three, 
To be fair, I mean, we'll, we talk about the Alan Scott one, too. I mean, the Alan, there's not a lot of meat on the Alan Scott one. You can make a strong case. There's more meat here to dig into. But my initial impression when I read all of these and then when I reread them is this is my least favorite of the three. Yeah. So the solicit text reads a dark, far future, a galaxy gripped by tyranny. When an elderly farmer in a backwater system is brutalized by the latest thugs with jetpacks and jackboots to call themselves lawmen, he remembers a forgotten past, an era of champions, a cadre of noble peacekeepers long since vanished. His name, he's sure of it, is John Stewart. Whatever happened to the Green Lantern Corps? And is it too late to reignite the light? Which is interesting because obviously in the first few pages, he doesn't recognize that his name is John Stewart or he's fighting to 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 accept that his name is John Stewart. But, one, would, so, one would imagine that like, if we got the full first issue. Yeah, I'm sure by the end of the, the issue. Of the, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm just saying it's yeah. it's a little it's just ironic based on the solicit that in the first the only few pages that we get out of this, it's it's kind of like he's fighting that tooth and nail. So I want to read the first three narrative boxes here, which is just basically two sentences uh, to explain to people. This is not. There's, there's, I don't have a problem with the art. I really don't even have much of a problem with the actual writing per se. It's the it's the setup. It's the delivery that bothers me. No. Yeah, I, agree. I think I know where you're going with this. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to agree with that because I noticed that again today when I was rereading it. So it literally it says the swine fruit was restless the day the law came to Kaor. Uh, all across the borchards and aether fields at the protein mines and the plasma traps, faces streaked with fear and filth tilted upwards as the cosmic sirens howled through the through the oxy. OK, I love sci fi. I do. My problem with really in-depth sci fi novels, and I'll start there, is when I get thrown into a world so hard within the first couple of pages that I have just taken in 12 different phrases or names of things that I have to suddenly make a kind of lexicon for in my head. When you go, the planet's name is this and the system, this and the city, this and the species, this and the fruits are this and the blah, blah, blah. I I, look, I'm not going to internalize any of that. There are some people who can, I am not one of those people. I better digest that information when it's visual and like, we get that kind of stuff in a film. You know, I don't have to imagine what it looks like. I don't have to imagine what the basic social interactions are, the economic system. You kind of put me in the world and I'm watching a POV character in a film or a TV show, um, but I'm kind of absorbing it all through osmosis. I don't have that luxury when I'm reading a novel. I get it. I, I get sort of a middle ground of it when I'm reading a comic book, but it still irks me because you're you're immediately playing with my sense of comfort uh i am here to read sci-fi i know i'm supposed to be expecting weird things but i don't expect to try and have to remember all this new stuff within the first few seconds of absorbing it it's a trope it's something that a lot of people they're they're sci-fi long-running sci-fi series out there novels and stuff like that where that works and there are people who accept that and love that I immediately feel it as a wall preventing me from going any further until I understand what these things are. And that's what it's doing here. So the writer, Cy Spurrier, is doing nothing wrong. And Marco Santucci, we're familiar with his art. So it's not like Cy is doing anything nobody's ever done before. And he, how dare he write like this? 
This is a well-established thing. It's just not for me. Uh, you are you are completely shaking my foundation of being able to accept anything happening around me. And therefore, I shut down. It's trying too hard. To me, that's what it is. It's. I, I don't think you can really... I think you're being kind to say that, you know, the writer's not doing anything wrong because in a way he kind of is because he's trying too hard. He's he's doing way too much of an info dump literally in the first like three panels of the book and throwing a lot of terms that are going to mean absolutely nothing to us. I know the writer, I mean, the artist is trying to interpret what he's doing and give some and give some context to this, but it's just it's not it's not a nice, easy way to transition yourself into this world. And I think you are correct. I think that that could that could be a big turn off right off the bat for somebody, even if somebody was somewhat interested. If you were very interested, wouldn't turn you off. You'd push through. But if you were lukewarm, interested or were looking to be sold on this, that could be something right there that goes, yeah, I, it's not off to a good start. Maybe I'll push through. Maybe I won't. Well, so why I'm being, as you described, charitable about it is because I get so it's not so much he's. So, yes, yes, he's giving us an info dump, but he's doing it through a very specific way. This this is the this is uh, the legend of Jon Stewart on this local planet as told by someone who was there or is a part of that community. So we're like we're the narrative boxes we're getting are obviously going to be put in that person's voice and experience. So like it's, it's a storytelling choice. And, and because we're telling it through this voice, who's only familiar with the lingo of the, uh, and the, the, you know, references and points of whatever uh, point points of view of, of somebody who's lived there, it's going to sound alien to us with a lot of stuff that we don't understand. But that was the wrong choice, I think. Like, I, I, I get exactly where he's going with it, but I don't know if there was a different and or better way to have done that. Yeah, I, th- I think at the very least they could have done. They, there, there was, there had to have been a better way to do that. I think to get the and maybe not all of this was really necessary. Period. Let alone all of it being dumped all at one at one time. Um, I know you're trying. You're trying to be very descriptive and you're trying to paint a picture. So or and or even helping the artist paint that picture. But, yeah, I think I I noticed that when I reread it again tonight, it's like, wow, it's just really it's dense. It's really dense right off the top. And then especially since ultimately almost none of that is really what the story is about specifically. So it's it'd be it would be different if basically you were. Again, we don't know where the story was going to go, but you would assume that the story is not inherently about this planet itself and this whole. And we we know where our point of view is going to be, or where our interest, the connection to the story is. It's John Stewart. So doing all this about the world, it'd be different if it was a character we had known before, and it was a you were creating something from scratch. Maybe it could have worked better, but in this instance, I I don't think it I don't think it works. Yeah. All right, moving on to Kid Flash, The Speed of Fear. Kid Flash, The Speed of Fear. Now, I don't have any real ties to Kid Flash at all, but based on based on concept, this always sounded like the coolest one. <laughs> and well, let, let's admit you had a bit of bias going in. <laughs> well, not necessarily, because remember... Parallax, man. <laughs> but it's the entity. The entity doesn't mean much to me, because the entity, you know, the entity... 
the entity is just basically the bastardized version of what was and the explanation of what was, which on some levels worked and on some levels has kind of like not worked going forward. But you're but you're right. We've gotten so little of anything parallax that the fact that we haven't seen the entity since that two part, not counting uh, convergence parallax, but we haven't seen our entity since that two parter with uh, Green Lantern and, and Superman. When he was seeking help from Superman to protect him from Sinestro, that it's kind of cool. But the idea, but it seems on one level, like um, on one level, it is a weird combination here. But because of the color scheme with reverse flash, if nothing else, I guess it kind of makes sense. So this is like you said, this is the speed of fear. Let's go through the creative team. Brandon Easton, writer, Travis Mercer, artist, Andrew Dollhouse, colors, Dave Sharp, familiar name, letters. Katie Kubert and Michael McAllister are editors. So Kid Flash is the narrator here, and I kind of like the narrating style here. It's almost like it's it, you can. It's almost like a dete- almost like an old school like detect uh, gumshoe kind of detective narration, kind of like being nonchalant about stuff and the way that that POV. So he's being a, he's being attacked by as we will find out in the next page. He's being attacked by a parallax infused reverse Flash. But he's just talking about that there's there's no way to outrun fear. And he pretty much says there's only two options. The first is to let it overwhelm you, to tear you down, destroy your willpower. And the other option is to face it head on, which, of course, he's trying to do. But you have a really cool splash page with with reverse flash sending all these constructs and swords after him. And that's when we kind of get the little again. See, this is an info dump, but it's kind of handled better about the fact that reverse flashes like i'm surprised you last this long not not even any of your you know predecessors could have withstood the power combined power of reverse flash and parallax and reverse flash is pretty much about to take him out and and he says now i will finish what i started three galaxies ago first to wipe you from existence and then to destroy the central power power the central battery of oa we get kind of like a flash backwards where we find you know kid flash kind of saw that th- there was an aberration in the speed force there was something wrong with it and that and that is what he first sensed and then he realized after the fact this was basically he was being shown what had already happened which was the meeting of the parallax entity seeking out reverse flash promising him basically making a deal with him we don't really know when 100 what he's getting out of this at this point he just says we have you have the, and I like that how he laughs. It's like you have the heh, willpower to achieve our mutual goals. It's like with your connection to the Speed Force and my yellow ring, you can break through the defenses of the Green Lantern Corps and shatter their central power battery. Obviously, again, part of what he's getting out of this, we don't entirely know yet. Excuse me. Uh, Kid Flash points out that, I, you know, I didn't know it was possible to fuse a power ring with the Speed Force. But if there was one thing I knew for certain, my weekend was about to get a lot more interesting. And that's the end of this little mini setup story here. I, I like it. I do. Um, it reminds me, and, and and this is this maybe you, you you may think I'm being a little too kind again here. It reminds me. I think part of the reason I, I don't immediately gravitate towards it is I don't think I'm the audience for it, meaning that it's told in Kid Flash's POV, meaning it's told with a bit of a more youthful outlook on things which reminds me of books like blue beetle or 
what this was actually published in Superboy, the the Man of Tomorrow. Uh, uh, I there's a there's a voice to the uh, to the teen books or whatever that sometimes comes across because not every you know youth youthful based hero or whatever has this this voice. It can still be very appealing to the adults and stuff like that, but it does have that almost like cw like quality to it i can see that which i'm not i'm not i don't mean that as insulting because i have every one of those you know dc tv shows from the cw every season on blu-ray on my shelf i clearly bit into that hard but there's a there's a tip there's a there's a type of storytelling a type of voice that you can immediately recognize no matter what in those cw shows and this has that voice which makes it, at least for this, not necessarily for me. The art super hard pulls me in. Really good job. Love the reverse Flash Yellow Lantern costume design because they let him keep the Flash armbands and the, the 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 gauntlets and the stuff like that. But you know, it looks like you're just giving him the Yellow Lantern kind of jagged chest piece with a Sinestro emblem until you look at that final point in the middle of his stomach or his sternum, and it it darts off because it's supposed to mimic the lightning bolt. And that's a really cool thing. I didn't notice because like partly you're like, okay, maybe that's just a weird angle. Cause he's running the way the guy's drawing him and stuff like that. But no, it's a, it's an intentional choice. I like the idea of merging parallax's power with the speed force and that being like a power boost to both of them. I like the idea that <laughs> if you look, I'm assuming this is Eobard or whatever. Reverse Flash's Sinestro Core ring is on his his pointer finger because he already has his Reverse Flash ring on his on the ring where his uh, Sinestro Core ring would normally go. So like, there's a lot of cool stuff in here. So I think because of how much I like the art, I probably would. If this was actually won and published. I might have allowed myself to be like, okay, I'll get issue two and see where it goes from here. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think based on what we get out of this, I, st- this is, you know, this is clearly my favorite based on what I think, not just whatever bias I could have in theory coming in. Doesn't matter. I think this, I think the setup, not just with the solicit, but what we see on the page, even in these few pages is enough where you definitely would be interested in not just getting re- reading the entire first issue but you would kind of be interested to see how this would play out. Yeah. You mentioned the solicit, the solicit reads reverse flash melds with parallax in an unprecedented combination of the speed forced and the sphere based yellow power ring to create a deadly speed ring and shatter. Oa's central power battery, uh, central green lantern battery, a confused and isolated kid flash Wallace West must chase Thawne across a variety of alien worlds to stop him and the Sinestro core while his own powers die because of Kid Flash's slow, slow disconnection with the Speed Force. Yep, that sounds entertaining enough for me. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if his disconnection may somehow be related to just this team up in general of these two, you know, quote unquote villains merging together. Because you mentioned, you know, he felt something change in the Speed Force and it pulled him to this situation. Clearly, Parallax, you know, you know, his his influence is doing something to the Speed Force. That has to be why his disconnection is happening with the Speed Force. Well, we also and we also don't entirely know what. But 
the reverse flash is talking about entirely when he talks about his finish what he started three galaxies ago entirely yeah. so there there's there there's part of the plan that we don't know about because again we at based on these pages we don't entirely know what reverse flash is entire what he's being promised in this in this combat and this partnership we know what we know what parallax is getting out of though we don't entirely know why that's such a big deal that why destroying the central power battery is so critical when that's not really been so other than keeping him captured in there that's not that's not been it's not really been his problem in dealing with <laughs> with things the, the, the core really hasn't been his issue by itself and why he's been beaten for the most part but we don't but it is there are some yeah there are some mysteries that and that's part of what I think intrigues me is because there are, there's a lot more to the story that we don't know about. And then even though Kid Flash, again, as a character, I have no ties to Kid Flash, but there's just the fact that the whole the whole reversed Flash parallax team up and what they're trying to accomplish together. That that would be enough of it on the intrigue scale to pull me in. Did you like uh, how parallax is drawn? No. It's it's following the it is following the more recent version of giving him the dragon head as opposed to the the way he first looked, which was a lot more streamlined and thin. I yeah, I'm not I'm not fun of the chunky parallax, if you will. And that's kind of what we've gotten more of. It's not it. They are at least lately when people draw him that way, it is con- they, they kind of been consistent in drawing him that way. It's so it's not like it's it's not like he looks like a cat this moment and then he looks like a like a dragon it's not my favorite look of the entity but i think he looks okay and he looks consistent with the way we've seen him portrayed quite often in modern times as much as we've obviously we haven't seen him much in the last five years but still yeah uh i knew that was a critique of yours i wanted to ask um the other thing i'll mention art wise i i mentioned i and I, i pointed out specific details i like the reverse flash costume here that said, this is Reverse Flash member of the Sinestro Corps. This is not Reverse Flash Parallax, which is really what it should be. So that well, bugs me a little bit. But we don't see. But we don't know that he's possessed by Parallax. We just know because remember he talks about having the ring. That's what Parallax said he was going to give him with my ring. Mm. So we, so I would say that he's not possessed by parallax parallax could be in the ring maybe but i he's not again we we have very limited information to go on here i if i had to guess i don't think he's possessed by the entity that's what makes the the the, the deal with the devil the bargaining part in the beginning or the part that we see interesting because it's not it's not him take take me as your be my host and i can give you this which i mean that could have happened but just in th- just the whole thing that hey you know with with my ring and your and your and your abilities with the speed force blah 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 so that's what okay. I would say good catch good catch all right on to birth of conspiracy let's do it all right so Green Lantern the birth of conspiracy this one is called punch in punch out the writer is Scott Brian Wilson our art and cover is by Skylar Partridge. Colors by Marissa Luis, letterers by uh, DC uh, Hopkins, and editor is Ben Mears. Uh, out in uh, the desert of New Mexico in the year of 1947, 
we see Doiby Dickles playing fetch <laughs> with a a dog out in the middle of the desert and wondering where he is. He turns out to be none other than, of course, Alan Scott. Alan has some sort of crown uh, placed upon his head and he screams out in agony. He is trapped in a cage made of wood. He looks like Loki. Yeah, true. Meanwhile, over at a uh, government top secret division responsible for monitoring aliens and those with superpowers is a organization called the Eye. And a new uh, woman uh, employee, new hire, is getting the lay of the land from two others in there as they are talking about various things happening at the time and stuff that's going on with the Flash and the Ghost Patrol and Hard Boiled Harrigan and Superman and blah, 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 blah. Just a lot of golden age hijinks going on, superhero villain clashes and stuff like this. She looks over at a uh, seemingly disorganized bulletin board compared to everything else in this room. Uh, and he says that this is more, these are documented alien sightings and visitations. Uh, operating theories, a lot of these in indivs, which is short for individuals, um, uh, the Flash, Aquaman, Hawkman, Hawkgirl are aliens. So when th- something comes to Earth, we start monitoring it right away just in case. But moving right along, don't worry about that. Um, you know, you're going to be responsible for trying to find out the civilian identities of these people. And she's distracted by a particular image on this uh, on this bulletin board. And we see Uh, It is labeled uh, Mount Rainier, Washington, June 21st, 1947. And we see a couple of, you know, traditional flying saucer UFOs uh, being photographed over Mount Rainier. She uses some sort of telescopic vision, it looks like, uh, at least artistically, uh, (laughs) is what it looks like, to kind of zoom in on the image to see a caped figure floating just outside of one of the flying saucers. She says, who are you? Why are you everywhere? And uh, she mentions she she calls out to the guy, the the man and woman who just uh, who've been introducing her around. She said, where is Roswell? And who is the one who wears the green pants, the red shirt, the, the blonde one with the ring? What's his name? I think we may have a problem. And then we see uh, Alan uh, in this cage in the desert and some flying saucers behind him. He is chained to this wooden cage and uh, next to some sort of green crystal. uh, And his power battery is outside the cage laying on the ground uh, some distance from him. Is that supposed to be his battery or his ring? I'm assuming I only say that because it looks more like it kind of looks more like his ring, but it's on his ring always looked like his battery, at least in the beginning. Um, It's 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 in the background because of the way the ground is. The ground that it's on is behind the cage. If it's that far back, then that's his power battery. And I think you're right. The only interesting thing is if you go back and look at when he's in the cage and in the in the close-ups, he's not doesn't have his ring on. Yeah. So it could be, it could be he could, but he's also when it cost. It's I don't know. Yeah, but also you can see the battery back there. Yeah, you're right. That's what I'm. That's what I said. It seems like that's confirmation yeah. that it's the battery. But it's also the stuff coming out of the battery or going into it, which is weird, too, in that panel. But, yeah, it, it, it is just odd that he didn't that his ring is not visible unless it's one of those head game things where he doesn't think he has his ring on. But he actually does and things of that nature, too. So gotcha. Artwork was great. No, 100 percent. Really love the artwork on this one. 
kind of kind of giving us that line between uh you know modern storytelling but also giving you a hint of the golden age there's some there's simple lines here they're not there's a lot of detail but it's still very simple he's real they're really executing the hairstyles and the the clothing and stuff of the times and things like that so it's definitely serving its purpose of making you feel immersed in the time in which this is being told yeah absolutely and it doesn't and dealing with roswell's a that's an easy pull for me. Roswell is fascinating. So it, that so and having tying this to that all these UFO sightings around that time, then Alan Scott was somehow involved in fighting them previously. I like where they're going with it. Uh, so I think seeing this on the page was much more interesting than I think the solicit was for me. Right. The solicit reads in 1947, three events kindled America's fascination with UFOs, the men in black, flying saucer sightings, and the Roswell crash. Three low-level government employees tasked with monitoring superheroes realized that one person was at all three events, the Green Lantern. He hasn't been seen since. So, yeah, even I mean, even the solicit wasn't bad, but I think seeing it on the page and kind of getting an idea of what they're doing with it, what they wanted to do with it, yeah, I think I think this one this was my second favorite. Yeah, this is my number one. It makes sense. It's close. I think I think generally speaking, it's close. Considering Alan Scott's not my guy, but based on the way the story is written and what they're tying it into, I think it's I think it's it. There's a strong pull towards the story. No, for sure. The art is fantastic. It's told really well. Uh, it's set in some sort of area I'm familiar with. It's going to give, you know, uh, the conspiracy aspect, the UFO stuff. You were talking about the the allure of Roswell and stuff like that. Like, I get it. It's a hundred. I'm on familiar ground, but not familiar enough because it's the 40s. I love like the JSA and stuff. But despite me loving the JSA, my knowledge of the actual history of what happened to those characters literally in the actual golden age of publication isn't as strong as say the silver bronze age and stuff like that. The, the, as much as I love the golden age, my knowledge of the golden age is light. So you're putting me in familiar ground. You're baiting me with some golden age information and you're name dropping some little villains and uh, encounters between wonder woman and certain people and Superman and certain people and so on and so forth. Just enough to kind of tickle my brain with that. It's Alan Scott. So autom- automatically I'm curious about it naturally. And like I said, the art is pretty fantastic. So you hit on all the cylinders and I want more. And you're not you're not telling it in that, like I said, in that way where like, you know, I'm unfamiliar, I'm on unfamiliar ground. But also in the kind of CW way I was mentioning, the Kid Flash thing was talking in. So you're talking on my level and giving me lots of what I normally see as green flags for this thing, this type of thing when I'm testing a new series and if I want to read it ongoing. I agree. I think I think this is a winner. We don't know how the John Stewart one could have played out. It just seems again, it 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 may just be haunted by the fact that it seems way too much like all the Thorn stuff now. So maybe without having that, without there being the Thorn run, then maybe maybe this actually would have it would have had more appeal. And maybe and the story could still have been fine if we actually if we ever if we had actually got this. But to me, yeah, I think that one's clearly the weakest of the three that we've seen. Yeah. 
Yeah, and really no notes on this. Uh, you know, the the art I'm speaking, of, you know, I had specific instances in the other issues, but th- this is just fantastic all around. And the writing is pretty consistent. Uh, so uh, the fact that Doiby's in here for a couple panels, that's cool, too. Like, I'm just I'm I'm really excited by all of this. Yeah, too bad. We'll uh, we won't be seeing more. <laughs> <laughs> So that is uh, what might have been volume two, guys. These are three issues or a series that we could have ended up having. I don't know if the original Green Lantern from the first year around Robin stuff, that was a Kyle Rayner and Kilowog story, I believe. I can't yep. remember what the name of that was uh, supposed to be. I don't know if that'll end up being published or not. seems like a little too late to do that. I know a page of that was published online a while back uh, that you can easily find. But yeah um it's it's cool when we get these glimpses into things that could have been i think the next thing would be to uh i'll get who what was i i'm forget i keep forgetting the creator's name who was supposed to do the horror green lantern series oh god oh i know yeah like i said tonight's a bad night for me to pull stuff out this one's gonna be even harder for me because it's not in my wheelhouse again i was interested in it but oh it's it's it was there in my head for a second but it's not, yeah, it's not. Back Jeff in. Lemire. That's it. Yep, Jeff Lemire. If we could interview Jeff Lemire one day and be like, hey, so what was the Green Lantern story going to be now that we're far enough from it that it's probably not going to happen? <laughs> um, from experience, though, even if you're several years removed, creators don't tend to tell you. Unlike <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I'm Colin Bunn, though, who he ended up taking that, that AMA response down on off of his tumblr um but uh yeah i think i think he felt burned enough by dc and plus that was such a very specific time like they would have had to have been stuck in another universe for him to continue that story so like he's like well there's no way we're ever going back to this whereas it, i guess it's entirely possible that things come full cycle in the future and jeff lemire's offered the chance to do a green lantern book again yeah i yeah i, I would say so i mean those ideas could resurface down the road. Kind of what we're seeing happen with, uh, what Philip Kennedy Johnson, some yeah. of that stuff coming to come into fruition. So it's possible. It, it does suck for, I mean, the whole thing with Colin Bunn was ridiculous because the fact that, that literally the whole, you know, the whole setup, the whole, the whole setup to make the Sinestro core, the, you know, the, the power of the universe, the police force of the universe was all predicated on getting them out of, the Green Lantern Corps out <laughs> and the Green Lantern Corps was taken out to tell the story. And we never even got to see what that story was. And then they had to get jammed back in because all those plans were being flushed down the toilet, like po- what post convergence and whatever. So, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's weird, but. All right. What else are we talking about tonight? I don't know. This we, we know we can go in different directions with this. Uh, well, time-wise, we we already know one thing's off the table. Was that Circle of Fire? Yeah. Okay. I wanted to make sure. I assumed, but that. All right. So let's, let's just rattle rattle off a few things. Uh, Very soon there'll be a Flash episode. I don't know who I'll be doing it with. It may be me, myself, and I. I'm hoping it's going to be somebody else. But there will be a lot to unpack about that movie. But needless to say, we know it didn't do well financially. That's not that's 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 uh that that's kind of a given here. So we'll be talking. There'll be a lot to unpack, like I said, about what's in the movie, how it works, how it doesn't, and the ramifications. 
No, I'm uh, not being lazy, folks at home. I'm settling into a new pay schedule. For the record, I haven't even seen my number one anticipated movie of the year across the Spider-Verse yet. So, you know, I'm not just being lazy and not going to see the movie. <laughs> sure. No, yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, let's see. Secret Invasion started, which I fell asleep on because I because I woke up and it was four in the morning and I put it on literally knowing I'd fall asleep to it. So I have to go back and and watch that. We'll see how that works out. Marvel's release schedule got moved around again. That's and 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 Chad's favorite what if movie because it's more like what if it's ever what if that movie was ever made that you know Blade pushed back to 2025 and uh, Deadpool three has been moved up to the May release of next year. Captain America has moved to August next year, which is a horrible, horrible release schedule. And let's see. Uh, I'm just rambling off things that up. Things I bet were, you the Captain America date moves again before we get there. It might. I was trying to remember because I I didn't pull it up because it was I didn't know if we were going to talk about it. I thought Thunderbolt. I thought Thunderbolts was still hanging around in 2024, but it might have been moved to December. I don't even remember. All I know is that the Avengers movies have been pushed back at least until 2026, 2027. It might be 2027, 2028. But there are, oh, I know what I wanted to say. But it's a cl- that's a cluster anyway, because there were stories going, and this may not all be related to the to the writer's strike, because I remember about a couple of months ago, there were rumors going around that the Avengers movies were going to be pushed back that far. And I would have bet the farm there was no way they were going to push those movies back that far because so much was writing on them. But but yeah, here we are. And kind of related to that, there were also there was also a story going around, and we don't know if it's true. We'll never know if it's true. That about a little over a month ago, that the original, which is interesting to me because you and I actually had talked about some aspect of this shortly after phase three ended. The idea of whether we thought Kang was going to be the big bad or just a bad. And I know I thought he would be a bad. And I thought at the end you were kind of leaning towards that, too. You didn't necessarily think he was going to be the Thanos of whatever the hell they were going to call the next combined phases. I I figured there was a possibility because I I remember I definitely remember saying uh, with with um, with Quantum Mania, there's so much writing on it, because if he's the big, big bad, this is our first the general movie going audiences first look at him so it has to be done right right because even even before we knew he was playing kang and even before i mean even before it was confirmed jonathan majors was playing kang and even before we knew he was going to show up at the end of loki the rumors were always that kang was the character he was going to play yeah. so we started speculating so that so we probably it was probably was like 2019 uh, 2019 we were talking about this and the point of it is that the stories were going around that this was not really what Marvel was planning on doing. That that Kang was not supposed to be the big bad of phases four through six, but because they liked his performance so much and Loki and I guess the early uh, dailies and stuff from Quantumania, because don't forget Quantumania, the bulk of it, not counting reshoots, was filmed a long, long time ago. That that's when they started gearing things in the direction of oh, let's make Kang, let's make Kang basically the, the new Thanos. And so we comic book fans accepted it because Kang is traditionally a big Avengers villain. Yeah, it, it, oh. th- there was a certain logic to it, but now you look, but but now you look at where Marvel is, and of course uh, the trial of Jonathan Majors, if it, unless there's some weird final plea deal or settlement in the next month or so, was supposed to begin in August. That 
the whole mess that Marvel finds itself in would be there is a certain more than a little irony to the fact that if it's true and we'll never know that they really were not planning on making it Kang centric and then changed it, that they would not be nearly in as much of a problem if they if that was really the case, if they had switched gears, because they could just very easily. Oh, we're just going to switch. We're not going to use Kang again for a while. <laughs> or we'll recast him and they still might recast. But the point is, it wouldn't be so critical because at the end of the day. If you look at the two Avengers movies, I don't think that many people are pumped for Kang Dynasty. It's Secret Wars that people care about. <laughs> so that probably that would have been obviously the focal point, the change. If they were planning on not making Kang the bad guy for the for the whole thing, there probably never would have been a Kang Dynasty Avengers movie. Maybe Secret, Secret Wars was the Beyonder, right? I think so. I be, yeah, I believe it was that version. It was the Beyonder. But I do think either way, you, they may have just done. And maybe the original plan was Secret Wars 1 and 2. And then they said, well, maybe we'll do Kang. And then I, I don't know. We'll never know. But it was one of those interesting things when, when, when you hear it. And it's like, well, even even if only part of that is true, it's like, wow, that ju- you, you just add that to the list of the, of the kind of the cluster <laughs> of decisions that they've made. And how I mean, they are really they are even though Guardians had worked for them and stopped the bleeding, it's like they are still so screwed up. And They're now, at Shit Creek without a paddle. Uh, yeah, and because, again, we have no idea what the Avengers are. That shit's, that, you know, I, let's see if Secret Invasion solves any of that real. I have no, I really have very little doubt we're going to get significant answers to, of satisfying answers to that. And then they keep pushing these events. I mean, even if we get an Avengers movie in 2026, that's friggin' seven years after Endgame. I mean, the interest in the MCU is definitely waning. And to think that it's going to how much interest is going to be left when you may have a B or C tier team of Avengers. It's like, I don't know, man. I think I think they they're obviously I think they've made some seriously critical mistakes in what what they focused in on in phases four through six. And oh, and they're not going to Comic-Con this year. There's not Mm -hmm. going to be a Marvel presence the way we're used to at Comic-Con. So if we were counting on them introducing the. Full cast of Fantastic Four at Comic-Con. I think you can take that off the list of things to expect. <laughs> All I better say is DC better capitalize on that. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's why that's why it's too bad. You won't you're probably not going to see the flash because be, it'll be. But well, we can talk about that aspect of it after the fact that, yeah, the, the, the WB ain't looking much better at this point, considering considering this whole reshuffling the, the deck chairs on the Titanic. And but when you still have movies to release and we're seeing yeah, that's that, a that's, reference. Yeah. <laughs> and we're and, and we're seeing that's not really that's not really working out for them either. So it's going to there's ne- neither one, neither one of the companies is in particularly good shape right now. Uh, you'd still rather be Marvel. But the reality is, yeah, it's it's just a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I have I have mm, to say high hopes for Secret Invasion is is one thing I look. I don't think even based on the trailers, it, this is in order for Secret Invasion to succeed for me. What I wish it would be is MCU Jason Bourne with aliens. That's okay. what I want. Yeah, that's okay. what I want out of it. Uh, if that's in, if, if I end up getting that, like a nice spy espionage flick or whatever, good, some great action sequences, but just kind of set in the MCU and, you know, aliens are our POV for a lot, some of this stuff. Uh, then, cool. That I, it'll be a success in my book. But um, I don't know. I'm already seeing lots of complaints about the AI intro and stuff like that. 
Yeah, that, that's one thing I can't judge. I'm going to watch it later tonight. I can't judge because, again, A, I knew I was, like I said, I, I fell asleep. I woke up at 4 o'clock, brushed my teeth, washed my face, went back to bed, didn't have my glasses on, and I put it on. I said I almost didn't put it on because I, I don't like putting stuff on that I haven't watched before if I'm trying to fall asleep because naturally your, inst- your interest will keep you up. But I guess that tells you my interest in the MCU right now that I didn't think it would be a detriment for me falling asleep. I will as much as I I, I, I would stay awake for as much as I stayed awake. And I stay and I, I, I forget how long the first episode really is. I'm assuming it's 40 something minutes. I probably stayed awake for like. 15 to 20 of it. And then I'm so I'll watch it tonight and we'll see. I I don't I don't have a lot of high hopes that it's going to be it's going to be earth shatteringly cool. I just hope, but again, the standard has been dropped so much yeah, that you sure. just, you just kind of hope that it's just acceptable <laughs> at this yeah. point. There was some, you have some merch or something you wanted to talk about, right? Well, wait, obviously I, I sent you the link today that if you go to target and you kind of like do some searching the link for Sinestro Corps, Batman, the McFarlane figure that is available now for pre-order supposed to come out at the end of july so you that, definitely that, want that yeah that's something i actually did pull the trigger i did pre-order it so if worst comes to worst and you try to get it and you can get it and you maybe i'll just like i still have to send you that venom figure maybe i'll just maybe you can just get that sinestro figure too but i thought it was worth getting uh so there there's that i got Which, I, uh, someone someone posted a photo of it next to the build a figure arkillo that came out from dc direct several years back and it is perfectly scaled. He's he's like Arkillo's like maybe like a head and a half, two heads taller than Batman, and obviously wider and stuff. And the coloring is not that far off and all of that. So like, if you have that figure and you end up getting this Sinestro Core Batman, and you're the type to take the figures out of the box, put those two together because someone posted a photo of it and they look fantastic. Are together. you are you sure it's to build a figure? Because that was a Mattel figure. Was it Mattel? Yes. Mattel was Build-A-Figure. The Mattel was the Build-A-Figure. Or Killo was just his own figure. Just like Kilowog. Just like Kilowog was a Mattel figure. Oh, yeah. Um, there are two different Kilowogs. That's yep. right. Yeah. But um, I don't remember. I'll, I'll have to check our Twitter. Um, and I can, I can, and if, you, if I see the picture of it, I could probably tell because the only one I have open is is the Arkillo Build-A-Figure. But, yeah, so that's, so, so that's, so that's available. I got to, for pre-order. I received my supergirl my cara pop today that i had to ship my pile of loot because i had nothing else in it and it was running out of time oh, that's from really, the flash movie yeah that's really cool they did a really nice job with the texture on the uniform it's really nice and yes and as we know our uh and i still want to do a video on this maybe i'll do that soon to fill a gap too but the nr as we posted pictures our nft parallax days they shipped a few weeks ago and all, all the NFTs from that wave. So I have President Superman too, because I legitimately got that one. That was not the one I wanted. I wanted to I wanted to get Parallax on my own when I bought a pack of the cards, but I ended up getting President Superman, which wasn't bad. And what I think Jim got Green Arrow, didn't he? Didn't he get? Mm-hmm. I, I think he got Green Arrow. I don't remember. But yeah, so that's there's, there's some there's some cool stuff. There's some cool stuff coming out. And then, and you can get, you want to talk about the solicits? You can do that too, because we that was something I know we did both talked about. John Stewart and for the Green oh Arrow. yeah yeah War Journal, um, Green Lantern War Journal. Uh, it has been solicited for 
a September release. So it's going to come out basically. So uh, issue three of Green Lantern, issue three proper, because remember, guys, we're getting the uh, Night Terrors event that's going to interrupt numbering for for two months. So um, in September, we'll be finally getting Green Lantern three continuing on our main story. Uh, And that will also still have a backup for all the Philip Kennedy Johnson stuff. But that very same month, later that month, we'll get the actual first issue of what that backup was leading into, which is Green Lantern War Journal. And I think, where was he? I had the official solicit somewhere here. Uh, John Stewart time as Green Lantern has come to an end, or so he thinks. A family tragedy calls him back home, and as John begins to reclaim the brilliant career he once left behind, he tries to embrace a peaceful post-superhero life. But when a terrifying and contagious force with a mysterious connection to Oa appears on Earth, the last Green Lantern of another universe comes seeking the only warrior to face this threat and win, the immortal, quote, guardian and builder John Stewart himself. Can this brilliant but brash young lantern help John discover the qualities that made him one of the greatest lanterns of the entire multiverse? So, um, so if something something that um, Philip Kennedy Johnson has said it, it, about the about this solicit here being live is he says, and this this might be, I don't know if you read this, uh, um, Mark. So this may be of interest to you. The prologue stories in the back of Green Lantern 1 through 3 have a clear sci-fi slash fantasy feel. But when Green Lantern War Journal number 1 drops, it's going to start feeling less like Dune and a lot more like Predator, the Terminator, and Aliens. Sometimes you just need 80s James Cameron, and that's what this is. By the end of this series, readers are going to know exactly who Jon Stewart is and why he was born to be a Green Lantern. Yeah, I did actually read that. Uh... I, th- I do find it somewhat interesting that the title they call him, you know, he, he seemed to be going out of his way not to, to zero in on uh, the military aspect of John Stewart. But yet the book is going to be titled Walt Borchardt. <laughs> True. Then there, there may be a telling reason for that, I suppose. But I, but I, that's something that that is something that that did strike me. It's like, hmm. It it also sounds like the John Stewart of the other universe that we saw, you know, return at the end of the backup of is, in issue two is probably going to die. Because it's from that solicit, it talks about a young lantern. The last one comes back to seek John Stewart's help. It sounds like Shepard's going to the other universe and it sounds like he's going alone. Well, yeah, but again, we we, we still don't know. We still don't know the tie, the ties between all these John Stewart's in these universes. And I think that's kind of confusing. But. But I th- but it is, but on the on the bright side, I think it is I think it is cool that at least we know seemingly that Shepard's gonna survive. At least it, he's gonna survive the mini and we know he's gonna roll into the main book. For sure. Uh there's also the another solicit we should talk about, right? Yeah, I guess we can. Uh Green Arrow number four, written by Joshua Williamson, the new Green Arrow series, uh on sale at the end of September. Parallax returns. Years ago, Oliver Queen died and was resurrected by his good old buddy Hal Jordan. But it wasn't really Hal, it was Parallax. And did no one think that would come with a cost? Now Parallax has returned to collect. Yeah, I don't know about 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 that. I think it's it's shaky. I think it's shaky on multiple levels, I think. I I'm really leery about retconning stuff from Final Night 
and from the quiver story and things like that and trying to make it sound like oh this seems to imply depending which version of parallax it is that it seems to imply that parallax allowed hal jordan to bring you know to bring oliver back because he had this master plan and things like that when we know this was literally like two minutes before he went to go reignite the sun so i i've i don't know i i think i think some of the some of the retcon stuff can be can be pushing the envelope and this makes me leery again you and i have talked about we don't know which version of parallax this is in a it would be in a way it would be cooler if it was the convergence parallax but then again the convergence parallax would never have brought oliver back so maybe that's the out on some level oh maybe he wants to use Oliver. he knows that oliver's alive when oliver was dead previously and he wants and even now that he, he finds out how he came back and he wants to use him against hal i don't know but it, it but it's it's weird it it's it, i'm i'm Glad to see Parallax, period, whichever Parallax is, is, because we don't get it very often. But I'm not going to say I'm 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 a little leery. (laughs) I just sent you in our uh, chat here on uh, Zoom the uh, a link to an image of these two figures next to each other. I believe this is the Mattel. Let's take a look. I think you are correct, sir. I am pretty sure that is. And that's definitely the McFarlane Batman, right? Yeah. yeah that, that scaling, tell me that's not perfect. <laughs> that's exactly actually, what I think of when I think of Arkillo next to or uh, next to a, an average human or a slightly more than average human. Yeah, I'm going to have to double check to make sure that's the... That might not... That I thought the DC Direct one had the tongue around its neck. You might be right about that. Maybe you're looking at the uniform, I would suspect, in the color... I would suspect that is the Mattel one. I'm, in my mind's eye, I'm just trying to picture how wide open his mouth is. I think it is. I think it is. It looks looking at the way the body connects together and, and, the, and the telltale. It probably is. But it just it always makes me leery just because of just because, like I said, I haven't even seen the other one for so long because I because I never opened him. Because there are only two Arkillo figures and one of them has a tongue around his neck. And I'm pretty sure that was a DC direct thing. The, the Batman, the Batman McFarlane Sinestro figure, core Sinestro core figure looks fantastic. No, it looks great for sure. Absolutely. So that, Not the that, first Sinestro core Batman figure that to have ever existed, but it's uh, definitely cool. You are correct. It does have the tongue around his neck. All right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about tonight? I think I think that was it, right? I think it is it. All right. If people want to reach out to us, how do they do so? lanterncast at gmail.com the website is lanterncast.com if you'd like to check us out you can follow us on twitter like us on facebook hashtag geocast we're on apple Podcasts, spotify and stitcher please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on last but not least if you'd like to leave us a voice mail or a text 708 lantern and let us know what you think and of course lanterncast vids is our youtube channel for sure. And speaking of YouTube, don't forget, guys, GL June is still going on this month. And I bring that up because our friends over at Emerald Echo, uh, Adam and Donnie, uh, have released their part of this uh, for over on their YouTube channel. Their uh, their content over there, it's uh, Emerald Echo. It is, and let me make sure I have this muted. Here we go. 
Uh, it is, if you go over and search the channel, Multiverse Musings, the Vidcast. Uh, Emerald Echo is a part of that. Uh, and they are talking about the, uh, the Adam and Green Lantern, as well as the Green Lantern and Green Lantern issues. Uh, I think by the time you guys hear this, Blog of Oa, or sorry, Podcast of Oa, uh, over with Myron and uh, Phil, will have released or have ju- uh, just uh, will have released or om- are about to release in a day or two their coverage of 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 course their their portion of the Circle of Fire event, and then immediately following that, Mosaic Comics Dan Kurtzke is going to be doing the wrap up and the impulse ep- epilogue there. So uh, GL June is still going on and there's a new entry for anyone who's not paying close attention. So go give a listen to the multiverse musings. Yes, indeed. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>